The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Welcome, car friends. Everybody, welcome back. We're really, really thrilled to have you with us. And uh, I say that a lot. I tell Todd that a lot. But uh, we're really do, serious but, about but it. It's, but it's true. And you're still actually out of town. You're still on uh, backup recording rig. But we are dedicated to doing this podcast twice a week. Happy Friday to everybody. Yeah, I hope it sounds okay. We've got a lot of fun stuff. We always have fun stuff for everybody listening. And uh, this is no exception. Because well, for, you and I have no problem talking anyway, and then talking about cars is even easier, and two hours later we go, all right, I'll let you go. So, yeah, anyway. You're right. My voice, I hope it holds up. It's got to hold up. I've been talking all day, so uh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, we've got for, for you two car debates. First mm-hmm. is Justin. He is in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Justin, hello. Thank you for writing in. And we have got a lot to talk about with him because Definitely. he has asked a question I don't think anybody has ever asked of us. It is interesting. He's gotten specific enough. It, it is a little bit of a unique one. I agree. This is cool. I can't wait to share with you because I have 16 choices to run through. No, no, no. We don't have that kind of time. No. Well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. They're fast. I don't have to describe okay. each one. They'll go okay. very fast. Right. They might even be faster than your descriptions. Because then maybe. As soon well, as you've, you hear you've them, heard my descriptions. Understand. This is true. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. So I, I, I want you to hear that because, well, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll tease yeah. you and, and we'll get we'll, we'll tell the story in a minute. I think that's good. We also got, uh, who's our second one? We've got Chris writing to us from Northern California, and uh, he is looking for a fun car. He's got about uh, 10 to 12 grand to spend looking for a fun car. Isn't that a common trend? But he's driven a BMW for a long time, but he's realizing with some changes in his schooling and life, he's got a 1984 BMW with nearly 300,000 miles on it, and now he has a long commute to do once a week. And he's realizing, hmm, that car is probably going to let me down. So he's going to look for something new and fun or newer and fun. So that'll be a fun discussion as well. And then there's a couple little things going on in the news, plus your Facebook questions as well. I like how Chris describes his car as starting to get old. This is an 84 BMW with 300,000 miles on him. Yeah, that would qualify. The people in Southern California call their two-year-old lease starting to get old. So Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> there's the you're difference right. for it, you every, between it, Northern and Southern California. It is officially relative. You're absolutely right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we have for uh, some talking points up front here? What do we have to start well, with? Well, one of them is that, and I don't know a lot of details about this, but I just saw this headline, FCA, uh, Fiat Chrysler America, essentially, they have said they're going to stop making cars, not stop making vehicles, mind you, stop making cars. All their U.S. plants are going to only make trucks and SUVs, which, um, I mean, isn't that just proof of the fact that none of us are buying fun cars anymore? We all want, I want a big ride height. I need an SUV. And <laughs> FCA is just going, all right, we're throwing up our hands. We're done. Well, so apparently this is... Uh... Stop making cars in the U.S. Yeah. Stop building them. And I feel, I'm, I feel two ways about this. First of all is half of me says, who cares? Because a lot of their cars are already built elsewhere on the planet. I yeah. Mean, Fiat's and Maserati's, Alfa Romeo's, those are already built elsewhere. So, okay, who cares? But then I think about the classic Dodge products, the 300, the Challenger, yeah. the Charger. Why would you do that? I mean, this is... Well, they're all Canada, though, aren't they? Uh, well, I'll just... Okay, so we'll say North America. 
And yeah. to the enthusiasts and I, I suppose the people who really understand that is Canada, the United States, worldwide certainly. There's a huge muscle car enthusiast group in Australia mm -hmm. and we acknowledge mm -hmm. you. Uh, Europe as well. <laughs> so worldwide, yes, but you know, these are American cars. I mean, they, they should be yeah. built in North America, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. Well, I just think it's it, it's an interesting shift of just well, all right, forget it. We want to be known for trucks, and we're just going to make trucks. And if you if you buy a Dodge or a Jeep or a Chrysler product, you're guess what? You're buying a truck. Okay, all right. I, that, that's definitely where they're wanting to head, which is interesting. I'll be very curious to see what happens to their models. I mean, obviously, they they want to kill the Dodge Dart, which means the Chrysler 200 dies too. Uh, no real weeping and gnashing of teeth for that one. However, the Viper is dying as well. I mean, mm -hmm. that, this this all this shift you can see the the breadcrumbs of it. But so that's been announced. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. And then another thing announced that is genuinely really sad. Did you see this? Uh, Derek D just hosted an episode of Fast Lane Daily and said that Fast Lane Daily under the Time banner is being closed, put on hiatus indefinitely, probably dead. Yeah, this is sad, and we have hung out with and know and love Derek as well. Derek D is a great guy. Uh, we're sad to see this, and they do a really great channel. They've been on for, did you see this? About nine years. Well, Derek's been on for nine years. I'm not sure if it was going before him, but he's the only one I ever knew. But, I mean, yeah, the, that's what makes it, I feel like, especially poignant for us because, you know, our show's been going for nine years. Now, obviously, we aren't a daily program. If we were, we'd be a lot bigger, obviously. We all would, but we wouldn't do what we do either if we were daily. But, uh, you know, I mean, they were early on in the world of YouTube not being cat videos, and so were we. And mm -hmm. so to see somebody that we've kind of seen the whole time we've been running and making stuff, so have they. You know, we were we were aware of it back when JF was running uh, Fastlane Daily, which was pretty much 10 years ago. Uh, and we, yeah, as you said, we know Derek. I mean, you know, whether whether you like that show or not, I will say this about it: nothing else did a show like that. Nobody else did a news program yeah, like that. Yeah, true, true. You know, uh, Time has bought Drive, and they bought uh, and they bought Fastlane Daily, and they have their own little daily show now. And Motor Trend's doing a daily show, and everybody's done a daily kind of show or tried to, or at least a weekly show that's news. But the volume of that one and the uniqueness of the style. It's an icon, and it's dead, and that's that is sad. I, I, you know, Derek got choked up in the middle of his read, and honestly, that was valid. It was very valid. Yeah, agreed. Well, we uh, we never like to see words that say indefinite hiatus because we all know what that no, means. All bad. But ultimately, all bad. we wish them the best, and we hope things come back. Maybe they morph and change. Maybe there are some business decisions being made behind the scenes. I mean, obviously there well, are. Of course there but are. Yeah, you know, we we yeah. definitely hope for the best because that was a great crew and uh, Derek D, great host and uh, driver as well. So we appreciate you guys and a huge shout out to Fastlane Daily. So thank you guys yeah, a bummer. for, for a bummer such for sure. a long run. Thank you. No kidding. No kidding. Uh, and then on the category of weird misleading headlines, I'm sure you saw this misleading headline. At least I think it's misleading. The you know we've talked off and on about the crash of the Tesla Model S under mm -hmm. autopilot because of course mm -hmm. it's all over the news. Well, the, the headline, as you probably noticed, has shifted this past week, and the new headline is confirmed that the Tesla Model S was speeding on autopilot. When you give me that headline and I click on it, I want to see that you're going ninety and a sixty-five. <laughs> Truly speeding, yeah. I, I want to see that you're going eighty-five and it's posted at fifty-five. He was going seventy-four and a sixty-five. 
I, I'm sorry, but in Los Angeles, you're now officially the slowest car on the road. In, in, in LA, oh, there are two settings. Absolutely. The settings are either stopped or 15 to 20 miles an hour above, over the speed limit. That These are the settings in Los Angeles, okay? And, you know, here in the Salt Lake area, it is not hard to go up and down this mountain pass between Salt Lake and Park City and everybody around you doing 75 to 80. It's posted 55 to 65. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 look, I am not not excusing anything, but that nine miles an hour, an hour over, cops don't stop you for that. You know, this makes me think about something possibly built into the algorithm. Now, I'm speculating here. This is from, from this point forward, I'm speculating. Something built into the algorithm that has to do with flow of traffic, because you mm, can get mm. pulled over for, you know, say you're doing 65 miles an hour, everybody else is 75 and higher, you're actually going to cause an accident. You're causing problems, you're causing traffic, despite what's posted. I, sure. I mean, this is It's, it's this theoretically is possible to get a ticket for going too slow. You're right. It is. It, is, it is theoretically possible. You're right. So here I am speculating, is somewhere deep in the algorithm built a flow of traffic and reading what the other car's speeds are because certainly the this car can see other cars around it it can read the speed it can measure distance and understand what it's doing in relation to other cars if it's flying by cars who sure you know again speculation on my part but i'm wondering if it was a flow of traffic sort of thing because 74 miles an hour with a whole bunch of other cars doesn't really feel like that fast so therefore, well, but seventy-four it, it and a fatal. posted sixty-five, fatal. I mean, and we're, we're of course, yeah, horrified. The, the wreck is awful. The wreck is awful. There's no question about that. And obviously, it's plenty fast enough right. to be a wreck like that. Right. But you know what? Sixty-five is plenty fast enough to be a wreck like that. Yes, the, true. The, that true. nine miles an hour did not make a difference in this wreck. And as I said, I mean, look, I'm not going ahead and justifying and saying this is the policy. But in general, most police officers won't even pull you over for nine unless it's something they're being really strict about. You know, that's that's and also I don't know if you remember this, Paul, but uh, and I'm going to get it wrong. When we drove the Tesla Model X and we drove it on autopilot, the owner was telling us that the algorithm has in it that on freeways like major freeways, autopilot, I think, runs at the most nine miles over the speed limit. It won't go any higher and still be on autopilot. But then on back roads, it it wants to run, I think, either at the speed limit or five under. Because we were actually on a back road on autopilot at one point, and it was posted at like right. 45, and autopilot was doing 40. So, I mean, there's something built into this algorithm that keeps it from being ridiculous speeds. And I, I do. I, I just, it was clickbait to me. It was like, yeah. oh, wow, this Tesla Model S crashed speeding. And I went nine miles over, moving on. You know, well, I, I don't know. you know, think about this, and that is any cruise control can't exactly match the, the speed that you set it at every single moment all the time because of hills, up and down hills. Yeah. And you've seen this when everybody's cruising along and you start up a hill and you lose yeah. 10, 15 yeah, yeah, miles yeah. an hour all of a sudden. Well, it's obvious who's not using cruise control. But true, you, you true. have to accommodate for that. So it takes a, a few moments for the car to realize, ah, we've dropped speed and then kick down a gear or you know do whatever it needs to do to get back up to speed. Conversely, when it crests a hill and you start over the top, cruise control will let you go five, eight, you know, miles an hour over the over the speed limit you've set it at before it realizes, kicks down a gear, you know, yeah, applies engine braking. You're right. You're right. So autopilot probably works very similarly. It can't, you know, constantly adjust your speed because of just the road conditions themselves. So it's got to give itself a buffer zone. And you're right, nine miles an hour is, you know, come on. Officers, I've heard, will say, all right, 12 miles an hour, 12 miles over the speed limit per hour is fine. But at 13, 
your butt is mine and they're looking well, for that I, kind yeah. of thing. So I've heard certainly heard it starting at ten you start to be in danger, but I mean, you know okay. and I look, there are those people that got a ticket for five over. I know it happens. But well, yeah. it's not common. It is not common. No, and so a, nine over, I just kind of had to laugh. And, slow news day, real bored know. news, you know, bored exactly. officer, you know. Trying yeah, the, to the, the, least, the least of the concerns about this Tesla Model, uh, Model X autopilot crash is he was going nine miles. That is, yeah. that is irrelevant. That's the thing. I guess that's the thing about it that annoys me. That is an irrelevant reality to this discussion. Because every other car on that freeway was probably doing at least nine at miles. At least, over. if not more. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just that's not even relevant. Anyway, let's try to do a card of it. We've got Justin in Wisconsin. His sto- his story's pretty cool because I feel like he's kind of the accidental enthusiast here. I do too, and this is a question. As we've said before here at the top of the podcast, he has asked us a question I don't think anybody has ever said to us. And mm. I'll just I'll start with a question and then Todd and I can tell you the story here. We'll back up. He's asking for a purchase price somewhere in the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range, but the yeah. question is, what are the cars that he can get that offer the purest, most raw driving experience for that money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think of, you know, refinement and raw can either be a bad or good thing depending on who we're selecting it for. Sometimes it might yeah. be, yeah. you know, what that doesn't fit your you know, buying proclivities, your buying personality. Other times, you know, we think, you know what, you're looking for something really hot, hair on fire, and then, of course, you have to factor in price. And so I, I told you I had 16 choices. Some of them are very fast. Others I want to explain. But the raw thing brought this out in me, and I want to, I want to just, you know, share with you in my head what I'm thinking of. But he's got a story okay. here that we've got to share with everybody. He's got a great story, as a matter of fact. As we said... He is in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. He's 25. He has a fiance, by the way, Megan. He said wonderful about you, so clearly he loves you, which is great. Congratulations. <laughs> and uh, he works for a good-sized company in the area, but he also, during the summer months, works at Road America on the media staff, mm-hmm. helps out with credentials, helps out with photography duties, and drives a truck. So he's hauling stuff. It's a functional tool, as you and I have said. It's a yeah. it's truck. Yeah. Truck's a truck. It it does truck stuff. I mean, he went out and bought his first ever nice car. It was this truck, and he uses it for all of the things of life. Plus, he lives in Wisconsin. It's great for wi- for winter weather. He does hauling with it. I mean, he does truck stuff with it. But you know what? I actually, side note on this, you know what else I noticed? Hmm. <clears throat> we now know somebody that does credentials for Road America. <clears throat> I'm just saying. Justin. Justin. Friend. Didn't think of that one, did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. <laughs> No, well, yeah, you know, he's he's doing truck stuff, but that was the the most surprising part because he's talking about how he uses the truck and, of course, mm-hmm. weather in that area during the winter. But then he's asking for a raw car, a raw driving experience. Yeah, that seems yeah. like a really sharp turn because here he is, you know, trucks, and then he's wanting yes, a but, really pure driving experience. Yes, but he's seen so many crazy crazy cars at the track all kinds of cars from things that are i brought my normal daily driver to i brought my unmuffled full race car Mm -hmm. and everything in between and he's realizing the truck's not going anywhere the -hmm. truck will do all of the utility stuff it's fine so since he doesn't have anything where he needs a car to be normal 
that leads him to this question of, okay, if I want to kind of dip my toe into the pool, and by the way, you're not dipping your toe in the pool. You're diving in head first at this point. But you're saying, what's <laughs> the rawest experience? And that's cool. And what's interesting is he lists out the things that he has some experience driving. He's driven an STI. He's driven some Mini Cooper S, some right. Audi TTs, right. Mustang GT, and Nissan 350. Then he starts into kind of the usual suspects that he's curious about, the Fiesta STs, the FRS, the Nissan 370, some of the stuff that we would normally bring up. But I think the the raw thing, the it doesn't have to do anything else, allows us to go off into the weeds a bit. It does. And so when we think raw, we think in terms of lack of sound deadening, uh, very <laughs> a, a lot of road feedback through the steering wheel, through the tires, yeah. the ability yeah. to yeah, feel yeah. the mechanical parts of the car. That's what raw means to us. So you're feeling the transmission. Sure. Generally yeah, speaking, I agree. it means a manual transmission. I agree. It probably means low to the ground, so you're feeling the road. You're really becoming part of the road and part of the mm-hmm. driving experience rather than gliding along on top. So, yeah, caveat, obviously, you guys, you you know what raw means. We we all have, uh, you know, yeah. any race yeah. car, of course, but uh, <laughs> this was you have really 16? good. 16? How do you have 16? I, 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 well, you're I almost want to hear the whole list because I'm boggled by it. You're I have laugh. four. Okay. But 16, my lord. Okay. I'll go fast, but I kind of went, I started very cheap. I touched the price point that he suggested of twenty to 30000 and then I kept going because mm-hmm. I thought, well, raw, come on. <laughs> let's, let's talk about these dynamics and see if we can come up with a car that will fit the price point. And some of them well, are I'm right here. Let's just keep going. Hey, that's more expensive, but who cares? All right, All right here we going. go. So keep in mind, what is the raw, pure driving experience? Here we go. First yeah, number one. Yeah. Any car with a hole in the exhaust. That would be pretty raw. (laughs) And then I thought of, uh, how about a shifter cart? Also very raw experience. Yes. That led me to a Porsche 914. Interesting. Those are pretty inexpensive at this point. But what if you got a pretty nice one? That Mm -hmm, is pretty mm -hmm. stripped away. The thing is, they're not a modern car by the standards that Mm -hmm. we know modern cars. So, Mm -hmm. speaking of non-modern, any Triumph TR car from any year... Ugh. Sure. <laughs> How about not I'm... sure if it's going to run, but sure. Yeah, go on. <laughs> that's that's pure Triumph experience. It doesn't run. Well, yeah. you've gotten the pure driving experience there. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty raw. You're standing <laughs> on the side of the road with a puddle of oil. This is a raw driving experience. Yeah. So I thought of an MGB. Yeah, pretty stripped away, pretty raw. Uh, mm-hmm. How about an original Mini? I mean, the kind of car where you yeah. carry your friend around in the back and... And they're the weight transfer holding on to the sides of the car. They shift their weight around, so it'll pull the back end around through the corners. Stop. Uh, what about a first-gen Viper? That's that's a truck engine wearing a Are car. those that cheap now? Are those that cheap now? Well, no. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. All right. All right. You're just you're you're okay. I see. You're following a rabbit trail. The rabbit. Where, I'm with you, and I'm running on the rabbit trail with you. Keep going. And keep in mind, rabbits bounce around. All right. Yes. Yeah. You, you're doing that too. Well done. <laughs> Any terribly tuned Evo or STI with an unnecessarily heavy race clutch. We've driven those. And you're right. That is simultaneously a raw and unnecessary experience. Yes. We've you talked get in about the Evo and You get in the Evo and it's, it's, it's almost a workout to push the clutch in. And you ask the owner, how do you drive this? And he goes, oh, I commute in it. Yeah. And you think, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? <laughs> Okay, how about a factory 5818? That's Thank you. feeling the parts of the car. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of into the sweet spot of the budget 
which yep. must include a Honda S2K, AP1, or AP2 yep. for that agreed, kind of money. Agreed. You can get a spectacularly gorgeous, nearly new version of a Honda S2000. Both of those are on my list. Factory 5818 and S2000 are both on my list. And I have to, to stop us at the 818 for a second and go, the question is kind of, do you want a project or not? If you are willing right. to do a project... Right. That's, I mean, absolutely within your budget. You you get yourself a donor WRX and you take you salvage essentially the front half of the vehicle drivetrain to become the back half of the car. Mm -hmm. Craziness, mm -hmm. but very interesting. I still want to drive one of those cars. If anybody knows Factory Five, if anybody has a contact over there, or if you're from Factory Five and you're listening, here is me asking. We want to drive an eight one eight, but because <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked about it, and I and I really really want to drive it. But if you're up for a project, you're winding up with a barely street legal, but recently just built finished race car mm -hmm. that is street legal mm -hmm. that's i'm glad you included that and the s2000 is especially ap1 would be even more raw but either one would be great keep going you know as todd was saying there you could choose maybe the honda s2000 for less money and then use leftover budget for tuning to your taste i mean i'm not sure. talking about a sure. 400 horsepower s2000 that's also unnecessary no. but you point. can you know sweeten things up here and there with with a lot of parts available I would think yeah. that a Lotus yeah. Elise is on your list. That's got to be tough it is. for that kind of price, right? Lotus Elise is, is kind of the obvious one, I think. I mean, you've definitely touched on that. I have one more that I want to get to. But the reason I brought up the Lotus Elise is this. There's a line in here that he says, Justin mentions he wants to, hang on. Uh, I want to make sure I find it. He says he'd, he'd be interested in the cars that offer the purest, most raw driving experience. We beat on that. However, you also said... You'd kind of like it to be a plus if the car is kind of scary to drive. Now, now, <laughs> you acknowledge what you mean by that is something that, it, that demands respect, attention to inputs, etc. So, look, I, I don't want to put you in something dangerous. I, I don't. I, I mean, but oh, at the true. same time, oh, yeah. what you're talking about is something raw. There are, there are cars that will easily get away from you. The Lotus Elise can uh, and it is something worth respecting, and it and you can spend them. I've watched people do it. It's it's not not a difficult reality between here and spending your Lotus Elise. That is that that can be a short trip, but <laughs> the the that car when it starts to reach the edge tells you so much. There's this really weird it it and if you haven't experienced it before, it is very strange. You can start feeling that unassisted steering. You start feeling it getting lighter and lighter and lighter and lighter, and that's that. These are your warning bells. These are your Folks, we're getting less and less and less grip. And then if you go too far, guess what? You're now spinning your Lotus. And it is something where you could ease your way up to its capabilities, and it, it requires you to pay attention. As far as actual street legal cars you could just go buy, it's the tops. I agree with that. And if you don't pay attention to those warning signs, suddenly you're a lemming, and you do go over the cliff with your car. So mm -hmm. you, you do need to pay attention. All right, so we've established the Lotus Elise is definitely a benchmark for this price point. Definitely. At this point, I was really hoping, Justin, that a Caterham 7 would be in this budget. I mm. don't think it is. Even the, any flavor, even the entry level, we'll say. But I think mm. they're still way too expensive. I could be wrong. Somebody please prove me wrong. But that seems like that's got to be in the bit scary, very raw, very pure kind of category. It's all about, it's all about the inputs. Yeah, I absolutely. I just don't yeah, yeah. think 30000 is going to cut it. I think you've got to bring at least ten to 15 more than that to get into the base Caterham 7 here. So, I, yeah. I'm well, and I don't know what the them. used market is for those. They may be around somewhere, but uh, it's, yeah, I see where you're going. I, I, 
really, yeah, I really don't know. Okay, from this point out, four more cars. My gosh, you covered it, man. We, well done. We Keep going. We cannot ignore going. Raw, even though, uh, you know, of course, the, the budget is blown at this point, but we've got to say Raw <laughs> and Pure. <laughs> any Morgan, right? I mean, any car that requires well, you to call well, Terminix yeah. to take care of your car is uh, yeah. fairly Raw. It is. And it then... is. Yeah, it, it's raw. It's, it, was, it was once raw wood. That is, that is yes. definitely a raw vehicle. My car was once a tree. What's your car like? <laughs> and now I'm going to wrap it around a tree. I'm taking it back to its roots. Yes, pun intended. <laughs> All right, the last three are the KTM Expo, Ariel Adam, and of course, at the top end is a BAC Mono. But pure Well, of course, raw, if you've got money. I, I had to put those out there, but... I only mm-hmm. do so so you can get an idea of what we're talking about here. But those sure, kinds of sure. feelings can be found in the Elise, the Honda S2K, and very probably the Factory 5818. So those are, are within the budget. Yeah, there. you've just listed three of my four. I want to include another one because, okay. Justin, I mean, here's here's the, the other, other thing I want to do here. Look, at that $30,000, you're going to spend all of it getting a Lotus Elise. You're going to spend oh, yeah, two-thirds yeah. of it getting yourself a nice S2000. Uh, factory five, obviously there's building involved, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're 20 to 30 in by the time you're done with that. But, but here's the thing about that, that raw thing. As cars have gotten more modern, more sound deadened, larger, more safety restrictions, we are moving the Elise being a a modern exception. We are moving toward cars that are more and more insulated. Mm -hmm. So this creates an opportunity. If you look at, if you look, look through Paul's list, it creates an opportunity for you to get into a classic car, an older car, just because the older cars feel more raw in general. Just jump back 20, 30 years and guess what? Cars feel more raw. The A pillars are thinner. You're a lot more connected. And that made me think of this. Find yourself a turbo 944. Hmm. That car is going to probably run you 10 to 15 grand. It is not a car that is going to surprise you or jump you or freak you out, but yet it is incredibly involving, very well balanced. You can learn from it. The turbos are quick. They have great steering. I mean, watch our fast blast of that turbo that we drove. Here's the reason we don't recommend the 944 a lot, and that is because you can find one, a turbo, between probably 10 and 15. You might find somebody's garage perfect one for 20, but probably 10 to 15. It's going to need something, and they're going to continue to need something. So if you get something for 10, maybe 15, you've got half your budget into this car, but you've got the rest of it sitting there for you to take to a guy, find some good local independent Porsche mechanic, and ask him, what does this need? And when it needs stuff, get it done. Use the rest of your budget making that car run well. It doesn't have to be your daily car. It can be your fun car. It will have that raw experience without being a car that's going to completely freak you out. I, you could track that car all day long. I think that's a real candidate that gets you all of the above. I continue to look for 944s just because, you know, it's me and I love shopping. I think all of us do, though. We just keep shopping. Yes. Even if you after you buy something, you just keep shopping. Because we're just shopping. Yeah. We're just walking around, looking around. Yeah, we just we just dropped your we just dropped your new uh, uh, Cayman GTS video, and now you're talking about you're randomly looking for 944s for fun. This is how much the disease has embedded itself in our lives. I agree with you. I agree with you. No, but Justin, you're, just, you're not going to believe this, but I have found, well, maybe you will believe this. I've found nice non-turbo 944s for 17, hmm. but I've seen really nice 944 turbos for 38, and I thought, no, come on. No, mm, yeah. $38,000 for, you know, such an old car. I mean, they're good, but no way. 
No. Well, so he could get a non-turbo and it'd be slow but more reliable. True. I mean, that's the other true. part of the equation. Less you could do that and it would complex, be. You know. Yes, but that that car has all kinds of feel. I think I think these are options for you, Justin. Clearly, Paul has listed every option possible. So if your budget changes, you can still reference this podcast and find the car for you. Ooh, an old two thousand two. That's pretty raw. If it runs, it's raw. It might be, yeah. you know, on blocks yeah. in your yard, and that's pretty pure. Depends. Vintage, yeah, depends. You know, that, that's that's a raw experience. Look, honey, it doesn't even move. <laughs> anyway, we could keep going, but we'll keep we'll wrap things up there and segue into the trips that we're doing this year in 2016, and there are two of them. And so go to everydaydriver.com to the Adventures tab, and you're just going to see two. First off is the pilgrimage trip that directly references the film we shot there in 2015. Mm-hmm. We yep. want to take you to the Nürburgring Nordschleife and Spa Francorchamps track. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, please take a look at the details there. We would love for you to go. We're going to keep talking about well, this right up to the last nanosecond. Because we are, this but, there's, is the but there's a twist. There's a twist that's happened now. Mm-hmm. For those of you that have not jumped past and said, I've heard all this, I'm telling you, there's a new twist. And the new twists are these. This trip is happening. I know we've talked about off and on. Is it going to happen? We're not sure. We have reached a place where the trip's happening. So the people that are signed up already, they are actually going. We're not talking about going. They're going with us at the end of September. The other thing that's happening is this. uh, Starting the second week of August, I believe it's Monday the 8th, we're having to bump the price up a bit so you can get in early and save yourself about 500 bucks. Uh, So if you are wondering about the trip and you've kind of been circling it and going, maybe I'll decide last minute, I'm just saying August 8th, it gets a little more expensive. We know there's a few of you out there that have seriously considered it. We would love to have you join us. There are still spots left, but please know this trip is not theoretical. It is happening. We are going to Germany. I am already more excited than I should be. So, yeah. (laughs) Great And and speaking of excited, speaking of excited, Justin, hey, you're in Wisconsin. Drive down to Chicago. Yeah. I'm just saying, idea. we're doing Chicago Track Day, August 22nd. Come down and see us, man. Yep, yep. That's the second trip that we're taking. And the cars and coffee part of this can be a very last-minute decision for you, for those listening. But if you are going to bring your car on track, I would consider doing it right away, as soon as possible. Mm. So both of the details about both those trips are on the Adventures tab there. The FAQ is also for the Germany and Belgium trip there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we would love to have you. And as Todd said, great news. We're going. We're going, baby. You realize that? We're going. (laughs) I know. Come with us, everybody. Come with us. As as that has shifted, and we know for sure, I've started to get kind of little kid excited, to be honest with you. And, of course, Tom keeps teasing us (laughs) because he keeps driving the ring on, like, a random Tuesday because he lives, like, a half hour from the ring. So he'll get a press car and be like, huh. Then go go to the ring the night. It's like you jerk. He just did a so track that's making walk. it even worse. He walked around the track. He he, you know, just searching the track for debris and you know got to go yeah. actually out on the track. And he sat down it was, and it took was, a photo of himself. You yeah. jerk. It was it was closed the other night. Well, I mean, it, it closes anyway. It closes at like seven. Okay, seven seven thirty. But of course, because of the long days right now, it was still light till like eight thirty or nine. So about eight o'clock, people started hopping the fence and just walking around on the track. And he took a picture of himself. In the middle of Brunchen, which is YouTube corner. If you've watched a YouTube crash video, nine times out of ten, it was taken on this corner. He's sitting in the middle of the track right there, just looking at us like, hey, guys, what's up? And I'm thinking, what's up is I'm jealous of you, <laughs> who, lives, who lives a half hour from the ring. Well, so anyway, so we're realize, going back. You realize we're going to have to tweet yeah. that photo now because we're talking about it, so everybody needs to see this photo of Tom sitting in the middle of the track 
just yeah. grinning like an idiot. Yes, Tom. <laughs> love you, but I hate you, but yeah. I love you. Jealous, jealous, but we're going back, which is going to be good. So let's let's move on to another car debate, because the faster we move through this stuff, the sooner we get back there. there there's my new motivation. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Chris is writing to us. We have a few weeks here. <laughs> we, have, we have almost two months, but, but that's okay. I have my eyes on the prize. It's Chicago in August, and it's it's uh, Germany well, and Belgium it. in September. We better end it here. We, we better start packing Until, and going. We, we've got yeah, exactly. Exactly. Clearly, clearly, I have to book plane tickets and fly right now because that'll be just a little bit early, won't it? Chris, in Northern California, we're coming to, coming to you next, and uh, you are actually getting a master's from UC Davis. Uh, you you actually did your undergrad in Southern California. You're moving to Northern California. You used to drive Glendora Mountain Road. We know that one. It is a wonderful road to drive. Yes, agreed. So you've thoroughly enjoyed that in your 1984 325E. But it's that 300,000 miles that you have on that car that's got <laughs> yeah, you a little worried to now. It's old, yeah. you think? It's, it is officially starting to get old. When you have that much, yes, you can officially qualify <laughs> as an old car. Um, so you're wanting to get something that you can do a, I'm not sure what the story is, but once a week you're going to have an 80-mile uh, commute. So as a result, you want something you know is just going to run. But you still want it to be fun, and don't we all? So uh, you've got ten to $12,000. And you are—you've listed a few things you already like. I followed up on a couple of them, but I added a couple. Where did you go with this? I'm down to three for this, so good news, everybody. Look at you. We don't have to talk through a gigantic <laughs> list anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> this commute is actually for his master's at UC Davis in Northern California. So this internship, one day a week, 80 miles away. So he needs it for that commute. Mm -hmm. But he is also a member of the Formula SAE team between colleges and universities around the world of course so he was a driver and one of the fastest people on his team and so he loves mm -hmm. autocrossing he loves racing which is great and names the cars that he's been sniffed around which include the 986 mm -hmm. porsche boxster a nissan 350z yep pontiac gto the early 2000s one yeah and fourth generation ford mustang built from 99 to 04 and asking about these, but also asking Todd and I, are there things that he's overlooking? And it mm -hmm. sounds like for the ten to twelve grand that he wants to spend, he's thinking, you know, maybe Mustang. It sounds like here, you're looking at, you know, Mustang for six K, and then spending more money on the upgrades and the tuning and that kind of thing. We we could go a number of different directions, but uh, you know, in addition to the Mustang, I'll say, if you like a car, we'll push you towards that. If you're already thinking that, great. If you think you can swing it and you like it. You probably will, but I've got three here as well. Two of them are very similar, actually, but uh, mm -hmm. I think these things well, are, are things you haven't considered, cars that you haven't. I, I want to I, I follow the Mustang train of thought for a second, and that is unlike the conversation we just got out, to, out, out of with Justin. The thing about Chris here is, Chris, I don't think you want a project car. Hmm. You want a car that is just fun and runs. My concern with your mentioning of the Mustang is you said, hey, I could get one for six grand and I could put some suspension on it and I could do that. And suddenly you've got yourself a project. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to just get a car that runs and is fun and is good and needs maintenance. Of course, it will need maintenance. But let's not, let's not buy something because you instantly plan to tune it because you just need this car to be the car in your life. If you have time to start tuning this car, if you actually have days of the week you can start playing with that, sure. But, I mean, honestly... 
we're about to be back on the Smoking Tire podcast. And if you've ever, if you've listened to that recently, Matt Farah has talked about his Mustang project is a black hole. <laughs> he, thank God it's not his daily car because every time he gets one thing fixed, he goes, oh, well, now i got to work on this. Th- yeah. This is the nature of project cars. So I, I kind of want to stray you away from that. Um, the, uh, the 350 is a good option, but your concern is my concern, and that is for your budget, are those cars going to be beat down? They might be. Uh, you're worried that the Pontiac GTO might be a little big for what you're wanting, which is more of the autocross kind of feel. I agree with you there as well. Um, I have a thought on the Boxster, and then I'm going to hand it back to you because I've got a couple others, but I want a thought on the Boxster, and that is this. Your favorite of your own list, Chris, is the Boxster. But then you instantly follow that with the standard comment, and I agree, I'm right there with you, and that is, okay, if I get a $12,000 Porsche Boxster, what's maintenance going to be like? And I'm going to tell you, that car's probably going to run. Now, it's going to need maintenance intervals. Be aware of them. Watch our uh, Cayenne thing because it all relates. The 40,000-mile interval on Porsches are the big ones, okay? It's plugs. It's oil change. It's check a million. It's like a two-page list of stuff they do. 40, 80, 120, you know, do your math. So if it's right before or right after one of those intervals, assume that has to be done. If you're worried about your IMS bearing, then there's a couple grand as well. So just think about what you have to put into it. But in our experience, and in most people's experience, and you know what, look on, uh, what are the, I'm forgetting all the names now, but all those companies that rate reliability of cars, Porsche's always way up there. Oh, sure, they don't yeah. Randomly, they don't randomly break. They cost money to get things done, but they don't randomly break. So I would say to you, don't be scared of that Boxster for that reason. Just be kind of eyes open for what it'll cost when it does have an interval for something. I'm going to pick up on the thread that you're talking about there about project cars. Any car that you're looking for in this price category that is going to accomplish the things that you want are going to have to have some money thrown at them in terms of maintenance. Todd's right here. Because Probably, yeah. if not, if it's just, I need a car, and it's got to be ten dollars to $12,000, I mean, welcome to Civic and Corolla, your toaster, your toilet, respectively. I mean, you know, well, it's yeah, just I mean, an appliance. Well, yeah, we go crazy, yeah. Tons of, tons of appliances out there for that kind of money, and most of which would just run in spite of you. Yeah, absolutely. But this car has to do something. It's got to, you know, cruise on the highway, and it sounds like you can just, you know, if it's more of a raw, pure car, he can deal with that. But it's got to do mm-hmm. these other things. So, therefore... You're going to need to throw some maintenance money at it. Tires are got to be it factored into the equation, especially if you go racing with yeah, it, autocrossing, yeah. or you know even uh, lots of mountain road time. So I came back to the E36 BMW M3. These yeah. are cheap. They're downright cheap. They are. They are. What about finding a decent one for ten grand, and then you've got a little bit of cash left over to put into it because it might need a thing or two. Generally speaking, if you mm-hmm. find a good one, and that will get you a pretty good one at ten grand, you'll yeah. you'll be able to just drive it. It'll be a great road car, but that is a car you can go track. You can autocross the daylights out of it. And that could ten be a to fifteen choice. years, ten to fifteen years newer than his current BMW, and probably less than a third of the mileage. I see how you got there. I do see that and, definitely. And that's exactly what I was thinking. You love BMWs anyway. You understand them. And E36s are known among car enthusiasts as a car you can wrench on successfully, understand. It's a complex German car, yes, but it's still understandable, and you can replace things yourself. It's You, you get it. You can understand this car. Yeah, and there's, I can see that. There's plenty of options available to keep this car running in top shape. All right? 
So now that we have the BMW out of the way, I thought, okay. what about reliable Japanese cars? But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a twist here because <laughs> I did go shopping and I targeted this car for you, Chris. Okay. I'm talking about a third generation 1993 Mazda RX-7. Interesting. Okay. I found one for you with 57,000 miles in Laredo, Texas. <laughs> now, there's two problems with it. First of all, the seller is asking $15,000. So that's immediately out of your Ouch. price range. Yep. But it does. You've already blown it. Well done. It does match the. It's got to be under a hundred thousand miles, and mm -hmm, with this mm -hmm. car, under a hundred means he's probably had it maintained. He hasn't driven it too much, too hard, and it is stock. There's one other big problem. That is, it's an automatic, unfortunately. But it does mm. give me hope for these cars because that RX-7 is a notable car. But you're going to have to yeah. shop smart. You're going to have to shop well. You're going to have to find one that is close to stock or completely stock. I spent your money, I spent more than you were planning, but I just thought, that's going to be a comfortable road car. You might have to wrench on it a little bit, you're going to have to put some money into it, but the pleasure of driving that car could far exceed huh. anything else you ever thought of. I'm Nothing on your quite, list is like that car. Nothing. I'm quite intrigued that you went there, because it's, it's that classic thing where you and I didn't talk before, and I'm surprised at where we randomly landed. Really? I did not think RX-7, but I did think RX-8. <laughs> that was my third choice. I'm glad you said it. Because <laughs> here, here's the thing about the RX-8. For, for your price, we don't recommend that car very much, because that's a car you have to go into just, again, like the, the old Porsche. You have to go in with your eyes open and know what it needs. The right. rotary engine's on that RX-8, and, and I've said it before, and it's absolutely true. Line up a dozen RX-8 owners and half of the group. And well, I replace my engine at fill in the mileage here. And the other half are like, you're insane. You just treat it right and it'll run forever. I have, and they list off their mileage and how the car's never even hiccuped. And mm -hmm. this is RX-8 ownership. So if, and, and you know, we're talking about the rotaries. It's going to apply to the RX-7 as well. But those RX-8, because of the low gas mileage that they get for the engine size, I mean, they, they drink gas like a V8, but they're fun. Yeah, and because the... Yeah, because that that rotary motor requires kind of owner diligence. Keep it oiled. You've got to, you know, it doesn't really like short trips. You're doing an 80 mile commute. You'll be fine. Um, you know, the, look up and the forums will bury you in information once you ask this question. Look up how to treat the engine right, but because it requires that involvement, those things are cheap, mm -hmm. and they are wonderfully, wonderfully fun to drive with great handling. Winding that motor out is genuinely fun. They're a find at this price point, and I think you would really like that car. Yeah, yeah. I, that was up there, too. And I thought, I wonder if the RX-8s are more plentiful, cheaper than the RX-7. Because that RX-7 you're going to want to find that's been pretty well taken care of. and you know, It's going to be a bit of a unicorn. Tuned, endlessly tuned. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the RX-8 truly is the better choice. And when we drove it, we're just, we're happy. This is, this is up there yeah. with amongst the favorite cars that we've driven. And it's, it's a, just... It's a very good car. Wow. It requires ownership focus, but it's yeah. a very good car. I agree with that. I, I wonder if you that. could get an even newer one, you know, somewhere in the early 2010, 2011, 2012. I'm just, I'm wondering. It's I possible. Shopped, but that's an even Those RX-8s car. just, they plummeted in, in resale value. Nobody wants them resale, and so they are a, they are a cheap find. And as, as Stutter stepped from there, I also thought a Miata NC, third gen, hard top. Yeah, yeah. Good. Because then you could you could drive in any weather, doesn't matter, with the top up. 
You still have a Miata. Look, it's the same base chassis as that RX-8. You still have a Miata, and you can put a top up and have a what feels like a normal enclosed car, or because it's the hard top, you can drop it and enjoy yourself. Uh, I think that's got to be a consideration there as well, and it's related to the RX-8. I'm, those are my two favorites. I have a wild car, but those are my two favorites. Oh, you do? I mean, I kind of stopped my list there with the two, the two Mazdas and that BMW, just because, you know, we talked about Mazda, or, or Mustang, excuse me, we talked about that, but I just kind of thought maybe these might have been off the radar, and uh, that's where I am. But I'm curious more about your wild card here. Sure. Well, I mean, my wild card, I, look, it's a wild card because I don't know that it perfectly fits, but it's a usual suspect otherwise. And that is, it's that thing you and I keep talking about. <clears throat> Fiesta STs are fourteen grand. <laughs> you shop smart nationwide. Fiesta STs are cheap, and they're only going to get cheaper. I don't know how soon you're buying, Chris. And look, I know fourteen grand is two thousand dollars out of your budget, but they're dropping like stones in resale value, depending upon when you're shopping. Don't leave that car off your radar because it's—I mean, you know—it's going to run. It's going to be the newest one here. Look, it doesn't have a nice interior, but you're coming from a 1984 car, so uh, you know I think that the issues with it you would get around, and I think you would enjoy driving it. If you can afford it, I acknowledge it's actually above your price point right now, but we are we are hearing the whistle as the prices on those drop. <laughs> I mean, soon it's going to just be, come and get your Fiesta ST, everybody. Come Practically, it's like em. party favors at this point. It's nuts. Can you imagine? <laughs> Thank you for coming to Billy's 16th birthday party. Here's your used Fiesta ST. What? Seriously. Who, who are you people? What? Yes, they're cheap enough now. And uh, for his 18th birthday, we're going to be handing out $30,000 Hellcats. So brace yourself. <laughs> Party favorite yeah. cars. Brace yourself I love it. and take cover is the second part of that. Yeah. Well, we should jump to some Facebook questions, of which there are many. Definitely. You've inundated us once Always. again. It's wonderful. It's great. It's great. In honor of us dropping the Cayman GTS, my <clears throat> new Cayman, newish, yes. slightly used, but new uh -huh. Cayman. In honor you, of, you uh, and it's not exactly an old car. No, Keep going. no. In honor of dropping that, uh, thank you for the comments on that. Hope you enjoyed the piece. Paul Elkins asks, have you guys heard that the Cayman slash Boxster is kind of the poor man's Porsche? Because he's looking at, at the new 718 Boxster, and it sounds like his friends are sort of like poo-pooing his choice by poking fun at him and saying, yeah, it's the poor man's Porsche. Yes, we've heard it. We've heard it endlessly. And mm -hmm. first of all, I will say to your friends that they're trying to hide their insane jealousy that you're even considering that car by masking <laughs> it with the salve of, oh, it's a poor man's Porsche, because clearly it isn't. Let's just take Porsche out of it. Start with the recipe. A powerful, turbocharged, mm. mid-engine car that's as well-built and reliable as that one is. I I'm sorry, I, I don't see the problem here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, add the Porsche badge, maybe, but they're not inexpensive, but they're incredibly well-built. At the 718 level, the only sticking point, I think, for some people is the engine note. If you're fine with it, yeah. you're getting a car that's more powerful than the last generation Cayman Boxster. It's every bit as well-built, a little bit of styling tweaks and updates, a brand-new interface for the stereo, for the radio, for the nav. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, what a fantastic it's a nice upgrade. choice. I'm excited to drive one, definitely. So, no, and the second part is, your friends haven't driven one, so they don't know what that recipe feels like. So well, I would say, but you know what? don't worry about it, Paul. Here's, here's the thing. There's that perception versus reality. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of cars, 
especially among non-enthusiasts that have reputations. The other obvious one is the Miata. You know, the, the running joke is the Miata is the hairdresser's car or the secretary's car. Yes, they drive those. Mm -hmm. But you can hoon a Miata. And you can yeah. learn from a Miata. Yeah. And you can drive it really well. And a great driver can take a Miata and wring its neck. Okay? So the people that don't know cars might look down their nose in a Miata and be like, oh, you bought a Miata. But an enthusiast that sees somebody drive a Miata well, it's nothing but respect right there. And so, I mean, so there are those. Impressive. Yeah. When they drive yeah, it well. There are those. There are those cars that have that perception. I mean, look, people that look at the FRS and say, well, that can't be any good. It's slow. Yes, it is slow. It is. I will fully acknowledge it is not a fast car. But anybody that drives one goes, I'm serious. I've actually put people in my car that hadn't driven one, and they get out and go, I really want one now. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen it happen many times, and I am, yeah. I am open with that car. If I'm talking to somebody and I ask them if they've never driven one, they never have, like, let's go right now. And to a person, they get out and go, that's a great driving car. Very eye And guess what? Yep. It's still slow. So, I mean, the thing is, it, it, exactly. So the thing is, the Cayman, yes, it is technically, the Cayman Boxer is technically the cheapest Porsche sports car. So what? Exactly. I would say that as a result, most of the time, the people that buy them are the guys that are more focused enthusiasts. Because I think if you're buying a Porsche for perception, you don't even look at those cars. You figure out how to get yourself in a 911 because you're worried about the perception. Yep, because then you're buying for the badge, not the fun, not the driving experience. I think so. I think so. And when you take the badge out of the equation, the recipe remains, and it's still great. And you yeah. will be having fun and giggling under your breath, and you know your friends are going to remain jealous. So, again, well, yeah. take your take your friends for a ride in them and watch them go, oh, this is a great car. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, what do you have? Uh, well, I had, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, George Michael, uh, pardon me, Michael George Newsom wrote and said, uh, what extent do either of the two of you wrench on your own cars versus going to dealer or garage visits? What influences it, etc.? I would say this. Look, I really like to work on cars. I run into two problems. The first one is um, I get really annoyed when I run into something that needs a specific tool and I don't have it. Yeah, you mentioned that. And if you ever go to a mechanic with a problem child, be it a nut or bolt or a torque setting or a reach or whatever, and you've been struggling with it, there is actually nothing more hysterical and annoying than to watch them pull out the exact tool <laughs> and deal with that item in roughly five seconds. And the tool costs $10,000. So, <laughs> like, what? Or, or here's the thing. It doesn't cost much, but they own it because they only work on that car, right. and they, it, it makes sense for them to buy that specific tool. So that's a problem. I mean, look, I actually like to do it on the stuff that I can do. I've done brakes, shocks, you know, spark plugs, the standard stuff that is fairly straightforward. I've done all of it. The other problem that I have at this point is the value of my time. Uh, wh what happens with me is, you know, with working on the show and with working on life and with being a husband and with being a father, the last thing I can do is take half a Saturday and be under the car. Mm -hmm. I just yeah. can't. Yeah. And so it, it makes more sense for my life and schedule to give the car to someone during the week while I'm doing something else and they solve it so that when it comes to the weekend, I've got that time back. That has become a much bigger factor in the last probably five to set My son is almost seven. Five to seven years of my life than it ever was before. As much as I enjoy it, I just don't have the time. Time is the thing for me as well. I mean, I just seem to be busier and busier these days. And uh, it just seems at that point it's easier to take it to somebody reputable. Now, we'll see about the Porsche. I mean, 
I, I think uh, the car's so low to the ground, I need you know a little bit better lift and you know jacks and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I just think it's a time issue for me, to be honest. And uh, you know, for something like the Jeep, it's that's just a quick dealer kind of a thing. I love working on them like like Todd does. It's a lot of fun. It's actually therapeutic. I mean, I find mm-hmm. washing my car is so therapeutic because I just get to tune out and think about life and stuff and kind of yeah. mindlessly yeah, yeah. work on my car and scrub bird poo off the car. And, you know, it's just <laughs> it's therapeutic. It's so therapeutic. This is Paul Zen. Yeah, there it is. Some people yeah. go to a psychiatrist. I wash my car, so there. Mm-hmm. No, it's, yes, uh, you do. it's a time issue. And um, I think that's uh, probably an issue for all of us in our lives at this point. But when we can, we kind of do. You know, oil changes are still fun and... It makes you feel well, good because you save money. I'm doing I'm doing all four corners brakes on the FRS in about a week because I realized that my rotors, I think, are the original rotors on the car, so I've got new rotors and pads, and I'm doing all four corners. So I'll be doing that. But one of the reasons for that is the fact that when I'm going to do it is a time that my son is out of town with his grandmother. So it's like, okay, I'll just dive in because I'm not going to be, you know, he's not going to be trying to help me, which, look, he's trying to be helpful genuinely, but, you know, he's going to get bored at some point. Like, Dad, why are you working on the car? I get it. Mm-hmm. So he won't be around, and I'll do that, and I'll enjoy it. When you take the wheels off, just make sure you don't crack those lug bolts. And yeah. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. If that happens again, I don't know what I'm going to do, but but I'm going to, I'm gonna, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Off we go, yeah. Conniption is the word that mm-hmm. springs to mind. Anyway. Yep. All right, so Stephen Nelson asks us, how do we go test drive cars, or how do you go test drive cars with no intention of buying them? So uh-huh. mostly to see what's available, reference points. Do we have a story in our hip pocket, or do you just say you're looking? This is an easy one, because I will say most, if not all, rental car companies these days have an exotic car collection. So I would say take that birthday hmm. money, take your Christmas money that you get, and say, you know what, I want to take a day and I want to rent an exotic car and let's go somewhere, plan a trip, and rent that Ferrari California or the Porsche 911 or the whatever they've got, a Corvette Z06 or whatever they've got. Enterprise, I notice them at Hertz and Avis. They've all got them. And go get yourself into something fun. Even Beverly Hills Rent-A-Car in L.A. has loads of options. Now, they're expensive, I get it, but it's a treat. It really is. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you, you're not there with a nanny. It's not an owner. It's not privately owned. It's not, you know, doesn't have a handler with the car. You can just go have fun. You're paying for it, but okay, that could be a genuine option. Well, yeah, I can see that. That gives you an actual experience far beyond the test drive. The problem with the test drive in general is the test drives typically are really short and they take you nowhere near actual roads that can that can tell you what the car does. This is the problem with the typical test drive. If you if you know your area well enough to know that you're not going to even if the guys ride along with you, you're not going to do the standard route. You're going to go I'm going to go to this place for this reason and they're willing to let you drive for, you know, 15 20 minutes. That's much better. The around the block test drive is kind of worthless. Um, but I would say if you're going to if you're talking about comparing cars in the same class here, Stephen, you're going to do go to like Car Row, your local Car Row, and drive everything in the Honda Civic class. So mm-hmm. Honda Civic, Mazda three, the Sentra. You know, I'm saying if you're going to do that list, that is doable in Car Row. Expect your <laughs> expect your car uh, actual test drives to be pretty lame. But I would say <laughs> the one thing that you have to be prepared for is to fight off the standard salesman line. If you say to him, I'm just, I've just started looking, I, listen for it because the response is, 
Well, you could stop looking today. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. I have heard that line more times than I can count. But but I would say be straight up with the salesman and tell him if you're driving everything in a class, I would say tell him that. I want to drive every I want to drive this and all of its competitors today. I'd like to take this for a real test drive. I and like just that let line. him know this is the beginning of what I'm doing and I'm driving. Look, Nissan's across the street. I'm going there next. I'm looking at everything in this class. One slight thing to note is that don't give him your cell phone number. Don't do it. Take his business card and say, I'll be in touch. But let me contact you. If there's something you shouldn't do, (laughs) never give him your mobile number because you'll regret it endlessly. Uh, I would say if if you're if you're buying fine, if you're looking, please don't give that out. Yeah, I hear you. I would say uh, dress nice. And depending on the kind of car you're buying. I mean, if you were talking about, you know, the Ferrari showroom, you can wear cut off jean shorts. Because they don't know who, <laughs> but you know, up to things like a, up to things like a seven series or a Maserati or something like that. If you're dressed well and you've got polished shoes, and you're saying I'm driving and comparing things in this class, I'm genuinely looking. Mm-hmm. What do you got for me? Where's Where's the five series? Where's the M5? Whatever. I'm I'm really looking. Then yeah. the perception it really does work. It really does. It's the same thing when you go to court. And the people who are dressed nice, you're paid attention to and you're taken seriously. Because if you've taken enough time to take yourself seriously like that, it's going to be reflected in their attitude towards you. It just, it just will be. So. I, I like that. I'm also going to add one little other thing, and that is you could do this. Depending upon if you're looking, again, at a class of vehicles, you might want to go to your local CarMax. Because the interesting thing mm, about a CarMax true. lot is they may have all the competitors on one lot. Very true. So Very true. that's that's another thought as well. You might be able to do it literally all in one place, uh, but at some point you are going to have to run the gauntlet of the of the salesperson. But I think you're straight up with them. That the, this this is the list I'm driving, and I'm not having any other real conversations than driving that list. I think that's fair. Carmaxes have fences around the lots, though, which means you're trapped. So at the end, once you get done driving all of them, they're going to be like, <laughs> "Okay, so which one is it? Which one did you like? Which one are you buying? You're going to buy, right? You're going to buy." <laughs> Uh, actually, <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of buying, I want to I want to do one more, and that is uh, Ronald Harrison wrote an interesting question. We've talked about dream garages before on the show; it has been a while. But he's saying three car dream garage, money no object. His twist is must be an American brand, something from mm. the big three. So what are the three? And he's also including that, you know, these have to do everything. So whatever your family obligations or our family obligations are, they have to qualify for that as well. What three cars, American cars, money, no object, we put in the garage? I like this. I do like this. So does that mean I'm reading the, rereading his question here. Does that mean all three cars must be American? Or just, yes. Uh, yeah, they all must be. All, yeah. all three cars from the big three. That's his his big twist that makes this kind of a new question for us. Um, well, okay, all right. Ronald, you said they must be American. Aren't Teslas American? Are they not designed and built in California? Yes, I would say they are. That's a good one. That's a very good one. I mean, you said the big three, and we could stick to that, but you also said they must be American, and so a Tesla Model S has got to go in my garage. Because you also said money's not an issue, so I like that you went. You got you did kind of a loophole there. I'm going to give that to you though. Well done. Well done. Safe. <laughs> I danced around yep. the issue. No, a Tesla Model S has got to be there. But of course, I like an SUV too. I'm not sure I'd go Model X route. You know, if you've already got one Tesla, you're probably good. We're not the mm-hmm. acolytes that you might think we are. 
Uh, I would go, I mean, right now, to be honest, I'm having a few, uh, few issues with my Jeep. My Grand Cherokee is... Uh, oh, no, you are. The analog yep. controls have sim simply stopped working. This is a brand new 2015 Jeep with 18,000 miles I know. on it. I and know. I'm, I, I'm miffed. I am miffed. <laughs> wow. Wow. Miffed is a good understatement. Ladies and gentlemen, miffed is our understatement word of the day. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. Keep going. At FCA. You, yes. Yes, you are. You are. You are less than thrilled. I'm a bit put out right now because uh -huh. that you car are. shouldn't just stop working. I've already had to have the nav screen replaced. And so FCA, I'm calling you out. This is not okay. This is a almost $50,000 Jeep that's fully loaded. Mm -hmm. I'm miffed. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love the term "miffed." That is so just that such a staggering understatement. Anyway, go on. So I think, well, maybe I'll slide on over to like a GMC fully loaded Denali. I mean, that's a bigger truck, but I'm really digging but those. A, but a Denali, Denali what? They do Denali flavors of lots of things. A Denali what? Like the big Yukon Denali? Oh, yeah. Sorry, a big Yukon, the big uh, four-door Yukon okay. Denali. All right, sure. Like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And then I'll come back to FCA for some love just because they have Alfa Romeo, and it would probably be a 4C. So that's uh, that's my three. Interesting. Oh, you you're doing well with the loopholes. You're doing I'm, really well with I'm the loopholes on this. I'm juking and jiving I, I and dancing and bending and doing the you limbo know, I, over here. <laughs> here. Here's here's the thing. I actually hadn't thought of Tesla. I was thinking very much big three. If we're including Tesla, I would say this. I initially was going to go with you and go big loaded out. Look, I would never in a million years spend a hundred thousand dollars on a GMC truck, which you can do with a Denali. Yeah, a However, in this category. I would get one. I would hmm. absolutely get the loaded out Yukon Denali. Bring it. However, once you, if, if the Tesla's included, if that is in the category here because it's an American-made car, I would swap Denali for the P85D Model S. So all-wheel drive mm -hmm. Model S. Yeah. That would be the family car. That yep. would be the all-weather car. Done. That leaves me two slots in the garage for fun. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Okay. I'm liking that. If we're doing money nor object, I'm sorry, I'm going for GT. Oh, good one. I don't know how I'm getting on that list. Apparently, most people that want one can't get one. But if money's no object, I'll throw money at somebody until they give me a car. Oh, so Ford GT one. is in there ooh, for sure, for ooh, sure. Ooh, ooh. And then, yeah, exactly. And then I'm 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 waffling about what's next. But I think, well, yeah. I want to go, I would like to go like Chevy SS, but I've got that solved. The Tesla Model S has solved that. Yeah. So then I think small and chuckable, and I have to land on Ford again. The ST, the Fiesta ST. So Fiesta ST, Ford GT, and Yukon Denali, or possibly Model S. Uh, that's my garage. What about a, a Focus RS? <clears throat> Just saying. More. Hmm. More is better. Well... Okay. More horsepower. You know, well, you know what? You're right. You're right. The, the model, the, the, the RS is better. You're right. The RS is better. Sorry. Excellent point. The RS is better because the all-wheel drive allows it to be all-weather as well. So now you have two all-weather cars. That is important. Ford GT is the fun car, the special occasion car. You're right. The RS beats the ST in this scenario. You're absolutely right. So, so Focus RS, uh, Model S, GT, Ford GT. Talk about a baller American-made garage. <laughs> When is that happening? Here's the question. Ronald, are you sending this cash? Is there, Do I yeah, win a prize now? Can, is there like a lottery win here? I, that needs to happen. Sheesh, now you got me thinking about the GT350R and a Corvette Z06. Dang it. 
Yeah. Dang it, I just forgot about those, and now I remembered them. And then you came in, you swooped in with the 4GT, and I'm all miffed again. Oh, those are <laughs> those two are great candidates. Z06 or uh, or uh, 350R, amazing, absolutely amazing. Those would be it, cool. You know, if if I get here, here's the thing in this ridiculous uh, hypothetical scenario, when I get rebuffed and told for the umpteenth time, umpteenth, there's a word I've never used in ten years. <laughs> uh, when I get told I cannot have a Ford GT, I would fall back to either Z06 or or 350R. So uh, yeah, there you go. I keep a list of words. Todd knows this. I like funny, creative <laughs> words. So we'll leave you with a word, and that is flustrated. Flustered and frustrated. It's just like it sounds. Frustrated. All right. Wait, wait. Don't you like that? Yes. Is, is this our word to end on? Is, is our, are we going to say no, that word again word and go to miffed. closing music? I'm still miffed at FCA. That's the word. You are. Ugh. You are. You're I'm right. Just, I'm all well, we should, we should probably wrap this up because guess what? We're over an hour yet again. It's yeah. becoming our pattern. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. We would love for you to keep rating the podcast. You're doing that consistently. It is helping us to grow. We're growing well. We really appreciate that. Remember, at every 1,000 interval on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we're giving away stuff. So be sure you're following us on all of the above. We're doing slightly different content on each of those three platforms. Remember that. Thanks for uh, commenting on our YouTube videos. Oh, I should mention something. Hmm. We are The next two weeks, we are doing podcasts. We are not doing videos. Hmm. We're out of yes, town for good. a big shoot. Can't wait to show you what that shoot's going to be. And then I am actually on a much-needed vacation. So as a result, we don't have a video the next two Thursdays. We will keep you informed on that. Podcast will continue. The next video we're going to do is going to be very cool. I can't tell you what yet, but it's going to be very, very cool. So it a couple weeks cool. from now, trust me, awesomeness is coming. Um, so thank you for being with us. Everyone, we genuinely, deeply thank you for your support, for listening, for helping us grow you're doing it for us. You're helping us grow just exponentially here, and we love it. We're having fun. We hope you are, too. And in the meantime, until we talk to you next time, have a great weekend. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.